Welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast. This is your host, Tim Ferrara. We are a member of the Edify podcast network of Christian content creators. Hopefully you checked out last week's episode with Pastor James Coates when he was arrested in Canada during the pandemic and what that meant for him and his church. Check it out. Well, this is the season finale for season three. I've had 30 amazing guests on, so I've really hoped you've had time to listen to all the episodes, to hear what they had to say, and really around the theme of this season, which was discernment roadblocks. As we talk about keeping our eyes on Jesus and making decisions that honor him, what happens when the decision we thought God was leading us down leads to a delay, a strategy where we need to persevere? How do we make sure that we see the blessing on the other side? of that decision that God was leading us down. Well, that is what all my guests this season talked about. Please stay subscribed to this podcast. I'll have some bonus episodes during the break, and I'm not sure when this will return for season four. I'll be in a time of prayer and fasting as I wait on the Lord for that clarity. I'm excited for my guest today, Elizabeth Melendez Fishergood has an amazing ministry and story to tell about trafficking and the signs against predators for our children as we work in ministry and in the business world, things that we need to know. This is such an important topic, and I'm glad that I can give it a platform on my platform and podcast, so I'm excited that she's on, and here we go with the interview. Welcome to the podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast. My guest today is Elizabeth Good. She is a founder and CEO of the Foundation United, a global organization working to prevent trafficking and rescue survivors by training schools, police, hospitals, etc. Recognizing steps and stepping in. Elizabeth has founded Free with E to provide consultation to churches on prevention and has a ton of resources for parents about what we need to know and how we need to speak with our kids about this issue. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. Great. I, was, I love having you on. And I love, um, as I changed the name of this podcast to Eyes on Jesus, it really does cover a lot. And we still talk about discernment, but there's a lot of issues that I just, I love having a podcast because I can bring people on that I think, hey, I want this, I want to talk to this person and I, they have an awesome message to share. And and that's you today. And so I'm excited for what you uh, are bringing to uh, churches and businesses alike about your message and how God has used you and your testimony. And is there anything else you'd like to share that, that maybe wasn't in the bio to help uh, our audience get to know you better? No, you know, I'm just grateful. I, I run the Foundation United. So if they need to just remember one name, they can find it all at the foundationunited.org. And it's resources for parents, resources personally, resources for the church. Um, the enemy is on the warpath, and I think he's out there to steal every possible bit of our identity and destiny. And we just are all about equipping tools to take back our purpose and not allow any more to go down. You know, it's yeah. a war and yeah. uh, excited to equip and protect. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And yeah, I mean, we're in a battle in general with just being a Christian, you know, you, you can't be on the sidelines, you have to be on the front lines. And if you don't think there's a battle, you're going to be a casualty of war. And it's up to us to recognize the fact that we are in a war. Just read Ephesians 6. It's very clear that we fight not against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities and dark forces that are at work in this world. If you don't think the dark forces are at work, just read the news. You'll quickly realize that there's a lot of things happening right now, probably more so than I can remember in my lifetime. And so right. we have to 
we have to escalate our attack strategies along as the enemy is doing the same thing. And so there's a lot at stake, not just our lives, but the lives of those around us and our children uh, are at play. And so we have to take this seriously. And, and so that's why I love training and equipping because we're not alone in this battle. There are resources, uh, obviously the word of God and the Holy Spirit with us, but also other Christians that are fighting alongside of us. So I know it's in your book, Groomed, but as much as of your testimonies you'd like to share um, and how that kind of propelled you into doing what you're doing today. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that you'll hear me say a lot is we were born to battle. I feel like we are, you know, when when you're coming out of heaven, right, and God has a little conveyor belt of babies, I feel like he has purpose right next to you. And it's like, boom, you come down. And if you make it out of the womb, right, which there's a challenge right there, I feel like the quickest way the enemy can get a child off of their purpose is through sexual abuse and mm. you can steal a destiny you can steal identity you enter a world of secrets and that's sort of what happened to me in many different ways first you know i had grief i had lost my sister was accidentally killed by a family member tragic when i was six so that was like a lightning bolt to just your peaceful childhood and then i had sexual abuse enter a couple of different ways under the age of 12 and i feel like i was groomed to be silent and i think that even though when I was little, like I had this love for God, I was raised in this Pentecostal holiness with my mom's family in Arkansas in the summers. And then I was Baptist at home and you know, all the Bible and sword drills, like Jesus was real to me. Awana was like my thing, my jam. And I just had hit after hit after hit to the point where I look back and I think, you know, but for the grace of God, 14 to 20, I don't know how I lived. Like I mm. had suicidal thoughts, but I would never do it because I thought my mom can't have another dead daughter. Like you imagine. Mm. And I think that that constant battle for my life, for my identity, I went from church girl to after being um, abused and raped, sort of just a lot of women, what happens is we have things happen to us and then we act like we have to not care because it's too much and no one equips you with how to talk about it or deal with it. It's all these secrets that stay inside and then you get promiscuous and that was my story. And that's not who I was, it's not who I am, but it's what I did because I was just so full of shame that I would numb. And then every time I numbed or drank or did anything to stay numb, more stuff happened. <laughs> and I'm like, mm. I guess this is who I am. And it was not my identity. And what's so bizarre is as I, you know, slowly the Lord brought me out of it through different healing experiences. But when I oddly got into this, I wasn't looking to be in sex trafficking or fighting this fight of sex trafficking. I was always really, even as I got my master's in clinical psych 25 years ago, I was intrigued by the root. Like I would have a guy come out of prison on the West side of Chicago or a super affluent housewife and she couldn't stop shopping or eating. But at the root was the sexual abuse or the sexual trauma. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all these different symptoms. And then I moved to Florida to do nothing and, you know, sort of get out of ministry a little bit. And all of a sudden I founded this anti-sex trafficking because it just, the Lord unfolded it. But the root of that, one out of three little girls today is sexually abused. One out of five little boys is hearing a secret of sexual abuse. Mm. And that led, leads to shame to wanting to run away. And with the 48 hours of runaway on the street, over 85% will be approached by a trafficker. And then all the trafficker does is tell him he loves them. They don't know what love is. And then they're sold 15 to 40 times a day for sex. We ended up launching one of the first um, organizations that did a really great job with safe housing and working with thousands and thousands of victims. And every girl's story was like my story. Mm. I'm like, there's no difference. And so my heart and passion is just coming alongside. It doesn't matter what the person or the symptom is often, you know, that what, especially that one out of three self so listeners are one of those one out of five men or one out of three women, like 
it's a battle. Like it's real. What it does to you is the lightning bolt. And I just love restoring. I love getting to that deep root because people throw a lot of time and money at symptoms. Mm. One of our girls had gone to rehab 23 times and she didn't have a drug addiction. She had a shame addiction because of all Mm. the things that have been done to her and she wanted to stay numb. So if you let Jesus and the Holy spirit get to the root and that's sort of the piece I used to see in the churches, just people living in secrets rather than fixing and dealing with the root, letting the Holy spirit come all the way in. Um, So sort of who I am, why I stay with what I do and why it keeps growing to more and more places that we can systemically get to the root, you know, because after a decade of working with symptoms, having our, you know, survivors of trafficking, having everything stolen, I'm like, we got to change everything. Like we have got to change everything because your daughter, my granddaughter, nobody should be faced with ever having this possibly happen to them again. So now I'm just passionate about systemically awakening mm. everybody that works in a church, awakening every ER doctor doesn't know what he's stitching up and giving back to a predator and law enforcement. So we just have all these arms now of how to systemically change it on a, on a deeper root level so mm. that a child never has to go 15 years carrying a secret like that. So yeah. That wow, that's my why. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's great to see you know, when God, brings us out of something, a lot of times it's to give us a voice to that something that we came out of. And God does that all the time where we have a passion for something. A lot of it comes from our history and and why we're passionate about it. God's like, now I'm calling you back into that to, to make a difference. And that's exactly what you're doing. So that's, that's amazing. And this podcast is part of the Edify podcast network. Edify is a faith inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. As we talk about discernment and making those decisions that honor God, and, and there's so many that we make, there's thousands of decisions we make daily, and there's obviously bigger ones than others that we kind of have to fast and pray about and go before God about. But I wanted to talk in season three, as I've been asking all my guests about a time when you made a decision, but then you had to persevere through it to kind of see why God was calling you down that path. And also because I didn't want to just say that, well, just as long as you make the right decision, it's going to be easy and you won't have any problems. We know that's not true. And so uh, maybe if you could think of a time when you had to make a decision that God was leading you down, but then you had to persevere through some roadblocks that came up to see kind of a benefit and the blessing on the other side. I think that I could say probably ongoing always and forever. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I really like do. You, you know, you, you know that, you know, that, you know, that you're called to something, you have, maybe you have a prophetic word or you have something and you just know, and then the waiting, you know, the waiting is the hardest part and being in the middle. I know I, someone said the other day, you go from glory to glory, but no one ever talks about between each glory is the valley. And when you're <laughs> right. down in that valley, like that's yeah. a long, dark valley of waiting and to keep in that place of faith. Like I say again and again, you know, I believe Lord help my, my unbelief. And mm. I think there's different projects, you know, you, you've written books and you've done great things and I, I've had one book published and I'm in the middle right now of waiting to see what happens with my second book. And mm. that's, you know, I think that's very personal. And when you, especially your life is, you feel called to ministry and you're feeling like you have a message that, you know, you feel is from God and um, you go through that, that, that period of quiet. Yeah. You know, I'm reading a book right now called waiting on God. It's an old, old one. And, and I'm finding it's a 31 day wait Mm. and I'm, I'm learning, I'm trying to, I'm trying to move into a life of pause. I'm trying to move into a life of 
trusting the the weight is as important as the but um you yeah. know like because there's all kinds of things you know I have three children and for mm. anybody that has children the weighting of what your hopes and dreams and desires and you know I had one child I think God answers our stories and our prayers in so many different ways I had one of my three I I used to literally say well two out of three is not bad mm. because one was so like she just wasn't gonna God wasn't happening wasn't gonna be a thing and it was I mean she was older in her 20s and and she ended up having something really actually horrible a, a mental health really severe crisis mm. but in that crisis actually she found God um so I mean I was that mom that I never thought so if you're one of those moms that like me you're like oh two out of three is not bad you mm. know like <laughs> I had given up, I had given up hope in a sense, you know, but it's like yeah. in the back of your mind, but it just hope deferred makes the heart sick. So those that are waiting, um, you know, with my daughter, it went, it was through her mental illness and her trial that mm. God became real. Literally, she started feeling like I seeing God, I'm seeing the enemy. So that was 23 years of a wait, 22 years of a wait. I had a, another child that went through difficult times. I mean, we had to do some serious tough love boundaries. I got to meet Henry Cloud recently and I was like, your book, I lived it. I had to take the <laughs> child out. He's like, you did, did it work? I'm like, it did. Yeah. It was the longest, hardest mm. waiting probably of my life. Yeah. And, you know, so because when you let a prodigal go, you don't know if they're going to yeah. come back. Yeah. So that, don't that, stop that, praying. That, yeah. Yeah, I am every parent's inspiration because I think if there's anything horrific in the world, I, I, I've started one of the chapters of my book talks about never vows. I was the queen of, well, I'm never going to have that and I'll never have, you know, I won't be divorced and I'll never this and I'll never that. Everything I've never has happened to me. I think the Lord's like, you gotta stop judging, lady. <laughs> so, yeah. Let people be encouraged. If I can have breakthroughs, anybody can. Yeah. And I think our culture is to blame for a lot of the things we want right away. You know, we can have anything we want immediately right now, it seems. And so when we have to wait on the Lord, that's a lost art in a lot of ways where we see it modeled in scripture. But at the same time, if we don't practice it, if we don't learn to wait on the Lord, if we don't learn to persevere through prayer and not just get that instant gratification that we want out of prayer, like, oh, I prayed for it. Now I'm going to have it immediately. And that's not how it works. And so there's, there's a blessing that comes when we persevere through trial. Uh, there's a strength that comes in our character when we grow as God is teaching us things. And we see on the other side of the trial, hey, I, I wouldn't want to go through that again, but I see the blessing of going through it. And that's why God uses it. It's to refine us. It's to grow us as gold is refined in fire. So God refines our character because he knows that by going through this, it might seem like the worst possible thing. But at the same time, he knows that there's going to be a blessing on the other side of it and that we can then be used by other people or for other people that are going through similar things. Um, so that's beautiful. And don't stop praying for your prodigal. That's a lesson there. I love that. Oh my God. And you know what? It's a spiritual discipline. Everything yeah. you just said, right? And so many of the disciplines we like, don't think about the church is sort of thrown away some of the basic tenets. And I think yeah. it is, it's refining, learning yeah. to have develop these things to get us through everything that is coming. Yeah. So awesome. Let's move on to more about your work. And in your book, Groomed, you talk in the very first chapter, you talk about how we usually have a first secret in childhood, whether it's trauma or grief, and this propels us to take drastic action, maybe leave our home or do something we didn't think we would do. And we also may assume that everyone around us seems fine because they put on that, that air of like, oh, I'm fine. But at the same time, uh, there's pain underneath. And, you know, even the philosopher Plato said, be kind because everyone's fighting a battle. And so uh, what would you say for people that have experienced early trauma? How does that affect us negatively? How does that affect our identity? And what, what are some things we can do to kind of overcome that? 
Yeah, I think, you know, what you said about everybody looks like they're fine, but you have no idea what's really happening. I've been shocked. My book came out right before COVID and my background, I was an area pastor at Willow for many years and was charged of um, small groups, equipping and direct and training. And I love, like I'm a group junkie. I think that you can get much deeper, better healing, even as a therapist. Like I never, I didn't like individual. I like the group, but there's this popcorn, this magic of you said that, oh my gosh, I never would have thought that. And you, oh my gosh, you're saying that, like, I'll say that. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. And so after my book came out, um, the world went into COVID. I'm like, all right, well, there's, there's no book tour. So um, but I got a download I felt from the Holy Spirit and I hadn't had the time to, to go back into like the group dynamic. And, you know, I've done so many different things of building the organization and working with survivors, but my book was so personal. And um, I just went on social media and I said, Hey, does anyone want to jump on and, and go through this? I feel like I got a, a curriculum downloaded, something I want to try. And it started like right off the bat, like jumping in, like, we're going to be transparent. We're just going to go there and we're going to talk about things we've never talked about. And most of the people that jumped on were Christians and church leaders, a lot of them, and just going right in there and saying, you know, what is something that you maybe have never said out loud and what sort of abuse have you endured, maybe done to you or you witnessed happening to another or a secret you've kept that something's happened to you or a secret you've kept for another that, you know, you found something out and, you know, the Bible says, confess our sins one to another. Sometimes we're holding all these secrets because they were things done to us, things we saw. Mm. And I would I'd tick mine off. You know, I've had this abuse, this abuse, verbal abuse, emotional, blah, blah. And all of the people start crying immediately. I've never told mm. anyone. And I think there's so much power in confession, another spiritual yeah. discipline of confessing one to another, just our deepest, deepest truths. And that's what I found Um just popped out of my book and it's led to the whole thing that we do with the church is now called real talk because people are showing up every Sunday looking great. Hey, Bob. Hi, Joan. How's family? Everyone's great. Yeah. They're, they're dying inside the stats that what breaks my heart is the stats in the church are the same as the stats out of the church mm, in every wow. category. So to me, like this real conversation and talking about what's really going on is the desires of my heart that all parts of my work have led to Yeah. <laughs> the book. The book you know, launched a whole nother level of opening possible ways for people to get there when they didn't even know. So like, if you're listening to this and your heart's sort of beating, you know, there, there might be something that real talk would be a great benefit for you. And that's where people could, you know, info at the foundation united that org yeah. will find ways to make this available. So people could start that journey safely yeah. in safe ways. I find it fascinating that people keep up to 13 secrets at a time, five of which they've never told a single soul. And it's almost like you think it's a, a, a measure of strength of why you're doing it, of why you're keeping it secret. So like, well, I'm moving on, I'm moving past that, and it's not going to benefit anyone to tell them. And I think we have to make sure we release secrets to the right people and not just tell the world about it that doesn't care about us. But like you said, find that small group that that spouse that accountability partner mm -hmm. friend whatever you want to call them where we can release that because there's power in releasing it and it's not strength to keep it secret would you wouldn't you agree well it usually blocks a lot of our calling and purpose mm. you know the things that i kept the most secret that i had the most shame around are now really part of my platform that empower and heal others every day yeah. and i think that we're just sort of taught like one of the chapters in my book is groomed to endure like mm. i think we confuse abuse with strength. I think often keeping these secrets, it, it's robbing us in ways that we don't even realize the cost. Yeah. And I, I think we've been conditioned to sort of, you know, 
a lot of, a lot of our parents, you know, I'm a different, I'm probably a generation older than you, <laughs> maybe, but um, my parents were raised and we don't talk about that. You know, yeah. my mom knew I was sexually abused. She never mm. said anything. Mm. And that's a lot of the pain is the people that have had things happen that had an advocate that should have been able to speak to it, but because they hadn't had their own healing, they weren't equipped to protect the next generation. And that's where you see this generational sin to the third or the fourth generation. Yeah. And I think that there's just a huge cost. There's a yeah. huge cost to identity, purpose, calling your ministry, your place in God's kingdom um, by keeping it bottled up. And yeah, think about it. And what that stat says too is, you know, not only 13 secrets and five, which has never been spoken out loud, it says the five, which have never been spoken out loud are usually sexual oh, in yeah. nature. Yeah. Right? And that's the, that's the pit hole. Satan's like number one, enemy or number one weapon yeah and we see what happens too when churches keep secrets you know it comes out eventually and and i think that's the thing with secrets is you you try to keep them for so long but eventually they're going to come out and it may not be that secret being spoken but it'll be the byproduct of that secret that comes out in the form of action uh, of some kind of negative action that that you're you're reacting to that secret or a church that suppresses a secret now it comes out later when the more trauma happens, more abuse happens. And, and we see that a lot. And it's like, where do we stop this? How do we stop this? How do we do better? Um, and I think some of this has to do with understanding the signs of not just secrets, but you talk about grooming, how uh, sexual abuse happens, one in three um, uh, women uh, in America, one in five uh, men, uh, boys too. Uh, so yeah. what, what are some signs of grooming? Let's start with that. So what is grooming from someone who may not know? What should we be on the lookout for? Well, I think if you're looking at children, you know, that's why right now we have a systemic program for the schools. It's called Speak Up. And I was just speaking to a principal about it yesterday. And in the one for the church is called Real Talk. And that too, they both start in kindergarten because kindergarten, often childhood sexual abuse begins at three, four, five years old. Mm. That's when the secrets begin. Mm. And so there's so many basic language things that we could just, it's a common language that hasn't been introduced in the schools and the churches and families. And we're, we're trying to normalize that and change the narrative because it's different. You know, when I was growing up, it's, hey, look out for stranger danger and don't go talk to that person in the car. And if they show you a puppy, don't go, you know, like <laughs> it's so different. It's just not yeah. that anymore. Now the stats tell us one out of nine children in their bedroom, any zip code, any country, one out of nine at any given time are being groomed by a predator. Mm. Like children now that days, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics says that um, 75% of four-year-olds are given smartphones, smart devices, mm. maybe an iPad. And most parents don't even know that they come preset to explicit. So they're saying like, when I started 12 years ago, the introduction to porn and the addiction to porn was 12 for boys. Mm. And now it's eight and research is showing that it's actually redoing our neural pathways because the images, like when I was growing up, we had airbrush playboy. That was our porn. You know, it wasn't so graphic and horrific. What our children are being exposed to today, like an onslaught, it's Mm -hmm. an epidemic onslaught systemically deprogramming them for intimacy and for the ability to connect um, is literally changing their brains. So this grooming and, and a minute of kids on social media and if a parent doesn't know to really, you know, a kid, no, they don't need privacy. <laughs> like we are, we are their one and only guardian. Yeah. And I've watched the research of, you know, they'll post an 11 year old, they'll put up a little Instagram of an 11 year old, maybe she's wearing a baseball hat and they'll do a timer like 20, 19, 18, by 17. Oh, we got a hit. We got another hit. They'll be 
a fake profile with maybe a 40 year old man, a pedophile mm -hmm. with a picture of a 14 or 12 year old boy. Hey, you're pretty. Can you lean a little closer to the camera? Oh, and the number one thing they mm -hmm. say, don't be shy. No, don't be shy. Wow. Has anyone told you how pretty you are? This is a child sitting in their bedroom with this. This is what's happening. And yeah. I don't think we're aware of the exponential rate that it's happening. And I was able to be at a summit at the White House and there was a tribal chief. And this guy's like, they're remote. He's got nothing bad going on, but his daughter has a smart device. And he said, mm. you know, our problem was we didn't make our daughter's world feel big enough. Mm. She, I thought she had pride in her family. She was loved. She wasn't even abused. So she wasn't vulnerable in having a predisposed abuse, which many are. But it was one false guy that presented as a boy and said, hey, you're gorgeous. I can make you a global model. Wow. This is what I do. I'll introduce you to my agent. Meet me at the Walmart. He said, my daughter, their closest Walmart was 52 miles. She found her own ride and met wow. her predator and they lost her for two years. She was trafficked, sold 15 wow. to 40 times a day. So there's a lot that, I mean, and there's so many tools on our website and we'd love to roll it out at your school or your church because yeah. we have to change everything. Like this is a whole different war on our children. Mm. And once a child starts going down that rabbit hole, their identity and purpose may never come back. And that's all the enemy wants to steal yeah. our purpose and identity. Then the world won't have the leaders that we need. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, uh, eye-opening and I think every parent thinks it won't happen to them. And that's exactly the mindset where it probably will happen to you if you don't put those safeguards in place, if you don't have those conversations with your kids about what not to do and have them early, have them often, make sure it's an open door conversation where they can feel comfortable coming to you, um, where they don't have to keep secrets among, you know, themselves and their friends. And, right. um, the phone is literally a portal. It's literally a portal to another world where, you're right. In the past, you know, you would be aware of what hap what's happening outside of your walls and who might be a danger in person. But now it's literally coming into the bedrooms uh, as often as, pos as as they want, you know, if there's not restrictions in place. And so um, you really need discernment with your kids. You know, do they need a smartphone that early? Do they need uh, ac open access to, to things? I mean, the answer is no. The answer is we grew up fine without smartphones, right? I mean, it's a whole different world now, but at the same time, you, you really have to ask those questions. What, what is going to protect me and my family? Even if, it, even if it is not the norm, even if they'll uh, be picked on by the friends that they don't have one. And, and that's really the starting point, being aware of this, being aware that there's a dark side of the world out there that we live in, even in America and even among churches, knowing that it can be a, a breeding ground for, for predators that want to volunteer in kids' ministries. And if you don't have background checks in place, if you're not having uh, good good plans in place as far as, you know, partnering with, uh, you know, two, two by two or, or that kind of stuff. Um, what are some other strategies you have for churches um, to be aware yeah. of this? Well, the, the newest tool that we're rolling out is called Real Talk for the Church, and it's everything equipping. It's equipping kindergarten through leadership, because mm. also... If you are a leader and you're still keeping your own secrets, if you are an adult and you haven't dealt with your own secrets, you don't have the ability. You have a blind spot because our lack of healing, I mean, it's real. When it's, I mean, in the secular world, they'll talk about um, generational patterns. In the biblical world, we talk about sins of the father to the third or fourth generation. If a parent is keeping their own secret of abuse, abortion, anything traumatic, it always repeats. I mm. Mother after mother after mother will come to me. And for the first time, share about, oh my gosh, my was abused. I never told anybody when I talked to you, you just had me remember everything. I'm like, have you told your children? 
no, I'm not going to tell my children. I'm like, please tell your children because it is the weirdest force. I don't know what it is spiritually, but <laughs> the same mothers will call me like, I just found out my daughter was abused. I'm like, did you ever tell her your secret? No. Yeah. And I think we just have this fear. And rather than normalizing these stories, because, hey, honey, listen, I mean, my guy would be my littlest was like 14 days more every day. Mom didn't get raped. I'm all good. I'm like, okay, mm. honey. You know, like, because I had told them all the things that happen at the right times, so, you know, you do it yeah. appropriately, but it's earlier than we think because they are now online learning everything and then learning it in ways that are not the words we would use and desensitizing them. So if we come in and start teaching, what can happen, it changes everything for their lenses as well. And I think with the church, the stats also tell us that 93% of offenders identify as religious. Mm. So they're looking, you know, I've watched a documentary on camp counselors, Christian camp counselors, yeah. and we're like, you know, we trust everybody. Bye, Johnny, take good care of Johnny. The counselor's like, I used to be like, yeah, I'll take good care of Johnny. Yeah. You know, like as parents, we think, oh, they're in a church, they must be safe. Oh, they're at a Christian camp, they must be safe. Right. And that discernment is just not quite up to the current status that the enemy has elevated things to be. So right. we have a ton of tools to equip and anybody just has to request, you know, info at the foundationunited.org and we will equip them with everything they need to take this battle on and protect their families. Yeah. Yeah. Being, being equipped and understanding the battle, you know, you don't rush into a battle without the, the right, you know, tools for the battlefield and a strategy. And so uh, having a strategy, having the right tools is very important to, to win this war and to protect your, your congregation, any church leaders listening. It is your, your responsibility. No one else is going to do it. You have to be able to step up. And uh, even if it's awkward and uncomfortable having these conversations, like that's how you break through. That's how you get freedom is by, by facing this head on and not just waiting for something to happen. And then, oh, then we'll address it. Then we'll have a policy in place. Once it happens, by then it's too late. Someone's already been affected by it and hurt by it. And so we have to be able to be um, proactive, not reactive. Um, I want to talk about, you talk about the idea of Selah when you explore uh, to help victims overcome their past. Um, can you talk a little more about that? Yeah, it's sort of what we opened with. The Selah is the biblical word of to pause, to yeah. rest, to reflect. And in coming, I think if any of us, like I have had a lot of trauma in my life and the hardest, when you have a trauma brain and you're acting out of trauma, that's when you're just making decisions. You wanna make decisions because you wanna feel like you're doing something and they're typically not the right decisions. So, you know, taught over the years, like, wait for the pause, wait for the pause, like, because if we learn to start like really leaning into that pause, there comes a moment of peace. Mm -hmm. I used to make decisions out of anxiety, like, oh, I can make a decision. And I would try, I'd make it when I felt that urge and that urgency. Mm -hmm. And now I really try to walk and it's a discipline. It's exactly what you said, like walking out a different discipline of waiting to feel that pause so much so. And now I allow days to pass. Like I used to like, oh, I'm going to do this now, I'm going to do this now. And now I'm like, you know what? If I feel that push, what what's the push? When it's the Lord, it's such a different feeling. Mm, I yeah. used to feel like this, this building up, oh, it's the Holy Spirit telling me I got to go. And I'm like, no, that, that the Lord is never like a, a push. Yeah. You know, he, he will give us a confident, but a confident peace. Yeah. And learning to discern the difference between those two feelings, like the, the pause and the ease of a, a of it's time to go. And now I'll, I'll pray like, Lord, don't let me do anything out of my own timing. Like I want yours. And I had really another thing that you asked earlier, somebody connected me to like one of my, you know, when you go through different people that you just love, like there's, oh, this, this pastor or this podcast or something that you're like, I just know this is my person. I'm listening to them every day. And 
I'm like, every word that this person was speaking, I'm like, oh my gosh, that like resonates with what people are saying to me. If I could meet them, I'd just be so, never told a word. And then I had a girlfriend and she's like, do you want to meet so-and-so? And I'm like, are, are you like, just God, did God tell you that? Like, that's amazing. And connected us. And within a day or so they responded like, yes, I really look forward to talking, but I'm heading out of town. And I thought, all right. I said, I'm going out of town the next week. I said, you know what? I said, why don't we just let it come when it's time? Like the old me be like, when? Tuesday? Wednesday? Can it be night? Pick it up, pick it up. You know, and now I'm like, the girl that connected us, she contacted me today and she said, have you set up your time yet? And I said, no, I feel like I'm still in the pause, mm. which is so different. But yeah. I do feel like there's a time for things. And sometimes we push it and we rush ahead and we miss the full, you know, some we'll get a yeah. piece, but we won't get full, the full blessing that's meant to come. Mm. So that's sort of been my, my pause and my learn with the Sela as I keep growing into it over a decade of working with that word. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And, you know, as we talk about keeping our eyes on Jesus on this podcast, that's so important as we uh, have times of just focus on him, even if it's for a season or just hopefully daily, we have some time where we're just quiet. We just focus on his word, focus on him, pray and listen. Yes. Um, and I think when we talk about, uh, when you talked at the beginning about guilt and how strong that is and how Satan loves to use it in our life against us, uh, like, remember that thing that happened, remember what you did um, and, and sexual or not. I mean, there's guilt that shows up in our life for everything we've done that is sinful, which happens all the time. And, you know, it, the, the thing is, if we focus on that, uh, you know, anything in our past, we can't change. It's done. It's over. It's history. What we can affect is today. Uh, we can't even affect the future because the future is not guaranteed to us. So we have to focus on today and doing the best job we can today because, uh, you know, and that's where keeping our eyes on Jesus is so important, I think, because our eyes can't be on our past. It can't be on the future. It has to be on where we're at today, what God is calling us to do to make a difference where we're at. And how have you seen that that practice of keeping your eyes on Jesus daily? How has that helped you, um, you know, get to where get to where you are today and also just have strength for each day? Yeah, well, I, I think it's a battle every day, you know, because I, the enemy's a liar. And I, and I say that again, and I say, but the enemy's a liar because yeah. you wake up and, you know, he'll try to take your first thought. He'll try to take your first thought, some regret, think about something that might not have put, you didn't handle it right. Like just to start the day with this onslaught of lies, if you don't guard. Yeah. And I was just at a conference and I, I left there with just like a good takeaway. Like when you're, when a kid's a little baby and they wake up in the morning, the first thing they do, they get their crib and they reach up, they want to get out. Right. And we're supposed to start our day like that. Our day is supposed to be like, all right, Gaddy, like here I am. Where are we going? Mm. Versus, oh my gosh, did I do that? Right? Did I do that? You, know, you can sit there and have a litany of things. Yeah. And so for me, like the taking every thought captive and not allowing the lies of the enemy, because I, the way that I look at it is if you start to feel that you're having these attacks come against your mind and all the second guesses and, oh my gosh, should I do that? What should I do? Did I get it wrong? What, what's going to happen? Or being an imagination projecting into the future with horrific outcome like who's been a queen of that one you know or yeah. king that's been my thing for sure a lot of years um that shows that we're on to something like if we are not stepping into awesome powerful things the enemy's not working that hard so right. i think now when i get that thing i'm like oh i, I tried it in my brain like I'm like all right jesus thanks thanks for guarding me because obviously the enemy's feeling a little threatened and yeah. i think there is that you know it says you know resist the enemy and he will flee he does the same tactics over and over he's not that creative and we usually go down again and again and again with the same yeah. tactics <laughs> yeah. so if we 
get a little, oh, on guard. I'm, I'm gonna flip that one on him and just speak against it. And, you know, oh, I must be doing good. And, you know, the word cleft has become important to me. Um, you know, the song Rock of Ages, cleft yeah. for me. Cleft is taken from, it's the word of, of the rib. And, and so now when I feel that feeling, like I can almost feel when there's something in the spiritual realm that's brewing mm. yeah. and I'll say, okay, Jesus, class for me. And I like have a little visual in my brain of like tucking in, you know, like under his wing, literally like, I'm just going to go in here and hide and I'm going to leave you to handle this one. <laughs> I used to, you know, I used to try to figure out what's going on and what, what's going to happen. Is there anything, you know, and now like you say, we're supposed to go higher. We go with yeah. God and he fights it and we stay in this place of peace. So it's really, it is, again, it's a discipline of how we allow ourselves to think, right? Yeah. We're going to get into the vain imagination and creating scenarios. I, I have one friend that she always says, well, my story about that is, and I'm like, that's just a horrible thing to say. Let's <laughs> not have our stories around things. Yeah. <laughs> it's trust it's God. like my truth. I hate that. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, let, guess what? Let's go with God's truth. Because yeah. It's not being like legalistic and living in a little pretend Bible bubble, but he's going to work it for good. And we got to stop engaging that narrative, giving the enemy the narrative. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that perspective. If you are getting uh, attacked by the enemy, then you're doing something because he, you know, if you're on the side, if you're on the sidelines, an anemic, weak Christian doing nothing for the kingdom, he's going to let you alone. He's going to focus on those that are taking ground for the kingdom. And so consider it a compliment, but also know right? that you have, the, you have the tools, you have the, the, the warfare that God's already won. But also if you tap into that, if you live your warfare on your knees in prayer, uh, that's, that's how we win this battle. And so, uh, don't be intimidated. Uh, don't be, uh, harassed, but just be confident in who you are in Christ and that our identity is not as a soldier. It's as a son and daughter of the most high King. And so we can walk in that freedom. We can walk in that identity, uh, and, and claim that for ourselves and, and then know that God's already won the battle. And so Elizabeth, as we wrap up, I, I, I want to make sure people get connected with your resources. I know you have leadership coaching too, uh, to help organizations pursue eternal purpose and kingdom impact. Can you mention a little bit about that and how that might help someone listening? Yeah, we have so many different tools. So there might be like, I, I got a call from a men's, it was a men's CEO group. And they're like, you haven't really mentioned anything, but I think that's some of the stuff you do. Could it be adapted to our men's group? I'm like, absolutely. So the beautiful thing is we will build it for you. You know, whatever mm-hmm. somebody needs, if you are a believer and you want to, you know, protect yourself, guard, or, you know, that you need some healing or there's some, some unaddressed things or you're scared that maybe you have an open door to something that, could be generationally causing an impact on your family, you could reach out to us at info, just info at the foundationunited.org, and we'll figure it out for you. We'll walk alongside you. We have so many. The beautiful thing about what we do at the foundation is we unite some of the best leaders in the movement, some of the best organizations in the movement. There's no competition. Mm. So whatever it is, I will find the person to help you with it. You know, Mm -hmm. we are committed to together eradicating this root, eradicating the outcome of exploitation and abuse and awakening, you know, being done with the secrets and, yeah. you know, changing everything in our schools, changing everything in our churches, changing how first responders see things. A lot of the times people don't even know what they're looking at. And we've had mm-hmm. law enforcement say, oh my gosh, after this training, it was like walking in with one eye, walking out with two. We didn't even know wow. because the tactics of the groomers and the tactics of the enemy and think about the enemy, you know, we have a real enemy. He is yeah. upping his game every day. Yeah. And we have got to sharpen ourselves. You know, I always said, you, right. you need an arsenal of weaponry and we got a bunch over here. Yeah. So we will equip you. We'll walk alongside you, whether it's individually or whether it's for your entire organization, church, school, we have something for you. 
Very cool. I will put that in the show notes. I would encourage everyone to check that out. I'll put a link to your book in there too. And uh, thank you again, Elizabeth, so much for coming on. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you so much. So glad I could have time with you. Very grateful. Take care. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to connect with you. And I would encourage you listening to at least check out her website, look at the resources she has and see if there's something that would help you personally or your organization. Well, like I said in the beginning, this is the finale to season three. I've had some um, really amazing guests on. You know, when I started this podcast, it was just going to be me talking. I recorded about two or three episodes and I thought this sounds really boring. And so it went interview based. And right off the bat, I was blessed with just having amazing Christians who have an amazing story to tell. And I've tried to share this with you through three seasons now, 9,200 episodes that have been interview based. And my heart is really to equip you one way or another. And wherever God has me go next, I pray that he can still use me. I started blogging and then went to writing books and then podcasting, something I never thought I'd do. So maybe God has something next to stretch me, or maybe I'm going to go back to blogging a little bit during the break. Who knows? But I would encourage you to stay connected with me. Stay subscribed to this podcast so when I have bonus episodes that come out, you'll be able to receive those too. If you've listened to more than a couple of these episodes on my podcast, I really want to thank you. I've had an amazing time meeting people that I never thought I'd be able to meet or let alone talk to. Podcasting has given me a platform to show that I have some credibilities, but I have a core audience of people who've listened to most of the episodes, who've encouraged me along the way. If that's you, thank you so much. I've not hit the podcasting numbers I was hoping for, but I've done this out of obedience to God. And even if it's helped one or two people, I consider that a win for the kingdom. And so be in prayer. Let me know if you'd like to see anything next season. I'm definitely going to wait until next year in 2023 if I'm going to do a season four or to see if there's a different direction that God has for me. So I'll be in prayer for that. Stay connected with me on social media at Discerning Dad on all the social media platforms, as well as go to discerning-dad.com. Sign up for emails. If I blog again, you'll be getting those directly to your inbox. Like I always say, until next week, in this case, until next time, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.